Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You are now entering a critical thinking zone. So thinking caps are required beyond this point. From deep behind enemy lines, deep in the heart of the Midwest, it's your host, Andrew Coppins. And it's time for critical thinking. Good Wednesday to you all. It is a WTF Wednesday. You know the drill by now. The voice you're hearing, the person you're seeing speaking, I'm Andrew Coppins. He is Pat Oni. You can follow us on social media. I'm at the Coppins Show. He's at the Pat Oni Show. Instagram is at Critical Thinking Show. Um, you can follow all of that wonderful goodness there. Um, Mr. Pat Oni, how are you today? Uh, you know, it's Wednesday, and right now I'm wishing it was Friday. Are you feeling a little WTF? A, a little bit, yeah. We will get into that in a little bit because, yes, it is a WTF Wednesday on the program. Of course, we'll also have the B or not the B. See if I can win $100 of Dominic Izzo's money. Totally legit, by the way. Totally 100% legit. And then uh, we'll have the WTF Wednesday, of course. But before we get into all of that, um, Pat, there is something, there is a a topic that I think that we have briefly covered on this show in the past. And that was um, the, in fact, I know that we covered it because this is how we got uh, the conversation started with Darren Bailey being the uh, nominee on the Republican side for governor here in the state of Illinois. And I know that we had talked about this during that primary. And it was the fact that J.B. Pritzker threw multiple millions of dollars of his own money into um, <clears throat> quote-unquote democratic PACs, right? And they were designed to do what? If you remember this conversation. Um, try to remember this conversation. Uh, assuming they were designed to... 
I don't know, tie the tie Pritzker and Lightfoot and their ilk to uh, a lot of the dangerous policies and and ah uh, no 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 no. So yeah. Pritzker, the Democratic governor here in the state of Illinois, mm. used personal money, sent it to Democratic leaning packs, mm. and what did they do? They propped up Darren Bailey and went after Richard Irvin. Now, Richard Irvin has a whole host of issues in and of itself or himself. Right. And that's likely what led to the Republican side of things, even here in Cook County, the most uh, heavy of the if you are voting in the GOP primary, you're likely voting for, you know, Mr. or Miss um, um, Ditch McConnell-esque, right? You're voting for the right. Adam Kinzinger right. of the world, if you will, mm. right? But Darren Bailey right. won handedly, even here in Cook County. Um, largely because of what was going on with J.B. Pritzker throwing multiple millions of dollars. We're not talking about a million. We're talking close to five to six million, according to the, the most recent numbers, into specific packs that would go after Richard Irvin and help prop up Darren Bailey, right? Right. And he, he used his own money, right? Correct. He used his own private money to do so. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that is um, at best unethical, isn't it? That was our point, right? Is yeah, that right. this is this is dirty pool. Okay, this is right. unethical at its best um, or at its bare minimum. I would suggest this is probably highly illegal. Um, yeah, because you are you are using private money as a public official to hand pick or attempt to hand pick your opponent in a political fight. Now, there might not be something specifically illegal uh, about hand picking your opponent. But my suggestion is that J.B. Pritzker should not have the ability to take private money as a public figure, as a individual who is the governor of the state of Illinois, and be able to um, put that money into PACs to do what? If he is taking his own campaign money in doing so, that is a different story. Because that happens quite often, right? People will right. take campaign money, send it to a pack. Now, I don't know all the ins and outs of, of the campaign laws here in Illinois, and I don't want to pretend to do that because that's insane. Nobody has that kind of time, nor should they. But that was just a microcosm of what is going on on a national scale. We have seen this, right? J.D. Vance in Ohio. How did how did one of the most ultra-MAGA, if you will, to use the term of the left, and this is going to be important in our discussion, to use their terms, okay? How did he become the um, nominee for Senate in Ohio? How did that happen? Multiple millions of dollars were used to batter his opponent in the primary and prop him up. He didn't have the war chest that his opponent had when it comes to the amount of money the two campaigns were raising. Yet outside influences outspent 
J.D. Vance, right? Right. I mean, he got a fair amount of Donald Trump's money, too, if I, if I remember correctly. Correct. Correct. Mm -hmm. You look at other races around the country. New Hampshire has a primary. We're about to get into this. But my question is this. As we follow the money, as we know the J.B. Pritzker playbook is being used more broadly nationally to prop up the MAGA Republicans, to use their terms, right? The ultra MAGAs of the world, right? What did we have about two weeks ago today? Well, two weeks ago, Thursday, I should say. What what took place there, Pat? Um, I'll give you a hint. Blood red. Blood red. Mm -hmm. The background to the speech, the fascistic Hitler-esque speech oh, yes. of so the President we, we of the, the United pipe. States. Oh, right. We had calling that. basically everybody and anybody who voted for Donald Trump an mm. extremist and an enemy of America. Right. Okay. The most insidious speech I have ever heard of. Got a question for you, Pat. Yeah. If that is true, why are we watching J.D. Vance, Darren Bailey, go down the list of candidates emerging from Republican primaries? How is that happening? How do you think that happens? Is it organic? Given what we know of the two examples that I just gave you, do you think that this is an organic situation. The, the MAGA Republicans control the GOP, and there's nothing that, uh, that um, um, President Joseph Marionette Biden, sorry, I had a, uh, a Fetterman moment, or Fetterwoman moment there. Um, but uh, yeah, nothing that uh, the President Joseph Marionette Biden or Kamala Harris, or the Dem Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee, or the Associated PACs, or the candidates on the Democratic side have anything to do with it, right? Well, I mean, it, it, trying to think through this, at first glance, it does look like it, you could make the argument that it is organic because... Pritzker and Bailey, as just as examples, didn't have the war chest their opponents had, right? Yeah, so Bailey Bailey had probably about, let's say, $500,000 compared to the $5 million, right? He's being outspent at least two to one, if not three or four to one, on a campaign-to-campaign -campaign, uh, situation. So, so if, if that's the case, I mean, it, it does, it does at least look organic. But if you're also getting the influence of PACs and outside influences that are propping your campaign up financially, is that really organic? Right. But furthermore, Pat, I want you to think about this: the president of the United States of America, who leads what party? Right, the Democratic Party. Right. Correct. Has told mm -hmm. us that. MAGA forever candidates, ultra MAGA, MAGA Republicans, however and whatever terminology that Marionette Biden has used. Right. If we are to believe that to be true, that they are the extremist, you know, 
dangerous. They're going to kill us all, and they're a, a danger to America, right? If you believe that, why are you politically propping them up? Why? Why would you why would you be going and handing hard-earned cash, right? Mm-hmm. Your capitalistic cash or your crony capitalistic cash, more than most likely, to a Darren Bailey, to a JD Vance, to um uh Maggie Hassan, right, in New Hampshire. New Hampshire. The, the the only real logical answer I could come up with is because they think that these are the candidates that they can wipe the floor with. Because they're going to paint them as extremists like they did in the 2020 election and say, hey, you know, th- these people are extremists. We hate them. You hate them. Um you know, you you at least don't hate us, so vote for us because you know these these guys are extremists. I th- I think that's that's ultimately what they're going for. I think they're trying to sure that would little, be the very are, cynical thing to do, right? Right, right. The cynical way to think about this. But I want to I want you to think about this. Spending money on these candidates, this isn't this isn't the candidate pop, popping up organically, right? This is right. the point of all of this. If organically this is happening, right, do you highlight it as the extremist MAGA forever, ultra MAGA, danger to America that the speech last or two Thursdays ago um, would have been about? Yes. Yes, you do. You use that politically, right? Totally understand sure. that. Totally do, right? Here are the five mm. examples. You could, you could, I could think of an easy way to campaign this, right? Put them on a poster of, of the most dangerous American politicians, right? Do a FBI style, you know, ad campaign, right? Where these people are dangerous right. and a threat to our democracy, blah, 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 blah. Because you can use the speech of the president of the United States, Kamala Harris, in their ilk, right? You can do that. Right. However... You cannot do that when you are the ones who have literally spoon-fed those candidates to America. Now, Reason has a really great article on this, Pat. So, three states held their primaries on Tuesday. Delaware, Rhode Island, and New Hampshire. New Hampshire? And they point out that after a redistricting process conducted by a court-appointed special master, both of New Hampshire's congressional districts are now considered competitive, and one of its Senate seats could be in play as well. But unfortunately, Democrats are once again playing with fire by supporting, quote-unquote, immoderate Republican candidates. The the extreme, um, I bow down to the cult of Donald Trump Republicans, Okay goes on to point out Senator Maggie Hassan, Democrat, right? Running for re-election after winning in 2016 by one-tenth of a percentage point, okay? On the Republican side this time, there were 10 Republican rivals. And Pat, can you do me a quick favor and Google the New Hampshire primary results because I don't have them in front of me. But 10 potential Republican rivals, right? Who is the candidate of the national Republicans, the the ditch McConnells of the world? 
It's Chuck Morris, a quote-unquote moderate who serves as the state's Senate president. But as the research of reason points out, points out, excuse me, Senate Majority Pack. Pat, take a guess who um, aligns with Senate Majority Pack. Chuck Schumer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Chuck Schumer is is what? Oh, the the Senate Majority Leader. Yes, he is. Okay, but they have funded an ad for one of Morse's primary opponents, who is Don Baldick. Now, even the allies of Baldick call him a loose cannon. He has proposed sending U.S. troops to fight in Ukraine. He has described Governor Chris Sununu as a Chinese communist sympathizer. And some other things. Talked about the border and and wall forever, that sort of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. The PAC, the Senate Majority PAC, has spent over $3 million propping up Baldick. That is more than five times the amount of what Baldick has raised in their own, in his own campaign contributions. Five times the amount. Now, that's just in the Senate race. In the House, Rep. Andy Kutster is running unopposed for the Dem- Democratic nomination in the state's 2nd Congressional District. The Republican field is another crowded one with seven candidates running to be the opponent. In mid-August, a poll found that while 51% of respondents would vote for it somebody new, no Republican candidate had any sort of consolidated support. Now, Chris Sununu, the governor, endorsed Keene's mayor, George Hansel. Keene's mayor, George Hansel, is more of the moderate-lane Republican, if you will. Republican Senate leadership even tried to convince him to run against Maggie Hassan, okay? But the main competition appears to be Robert Burns, a 2016 delegate, or delegate, delegate for President Donald Trump. He supports a federal fetal heartbeat bill, okay? That is, while you and I might agree with it, it is an extreme position nationally, right? Right, it is. Okay. And it supports a massive wall on the U.S.-Mexico border. Again, I think the majority of Republicans would see this as something that would be great to achieve. But it is a polarizing opinion. Especially in a state like New Hampshire. In August, Politico reported on a sizable ad by centering on Burns. Democrats serve a group that backs Democratic candidates with public service backgrounds, right? So people who maybe served as teachers or firefighters or whatever, right? Nurses or whatever right that's their that's their purpose right they spent $94,000 nearly 6 times what burns himself has spent on ads in august alone 6 times what 
What is going on? Why are you doing that? If not to set up a situation in which you get to demigod, to our point, right? But if you are not paying attention, if you are not paying attention to where this money is coming from, who is actually doing the ad, right? If you're not paying attention to it, what do we do? What do we do? Democrats serve. Why, why are they involved in the Republican primary? Why? It's dirty pool, number one. Number two, it is highly unethical in my view. And number three, this is meant to do one thing and one thing only. Attempt to get as many quote-unquote extremists into positions of quote-unquote power and then attack the institution of Congress to consolidate power in the presidency. Hey, we can't allow these extremists to, you know, they've won, right? We're going to prop them into place in 2022, right? Now we move forward to 2024. Where, where do the Democrats go? We can no longer allow these individuals, these extremists, to, to um, object to the agenda anymore. And they it's not just about painting them politically as an enemy, right? This is about morally painting them as an enemy and being able to do so to consolidate power. This is the transformation they are looking for, in my view. But I want you to think about this, Pat. If you truly believe the words that came out of the president's mouth, okay, let me ask you this. If you truly believe that as a Democrat, if you firmly believe these people are extremists, they are dangerous, they are a threat to this country and the foundational principles of this country, so much as you would believe in those foundational principles at all, but I digress. If you, if that is the belief, right? If you firmly, fervently believe that the president of the United States getting up, giving that speech two Thursdays ago was saving America, would you touch these types of candidates with a 10-foot pole at all? No. Right. So one of two things has to be true in this scenario, if I'm correct, Pat. And you are correct. Either that speech two Thursdays ago was utter bullshit, or this is all about attempting an authoritarian grab of power in the United States of America. This is about that that. Next step, we have talked about what happens after you control the institutions, right? You you control the culture, right? We know that. They control academia. We definitely know that, and I'm going to show you an example of this later in WTF. We know they control the bureaucratic apparatuses of government. The only thing left that they wouldn't control anymore in 2022, potentially, could be both Congress and the Senate, or at least Congress. Congress is is pretty much a done and dusted scenario, as far as I'm concerned. Um, it's just how bad they get beat, right? So why give that speech, and then on the backside, prop up 
everything that you are supposed to be antithetical to. These people are antithetical to, quote unquote, your values, principles, and the values of being an American, right? According to you. Yet, on the backside, you're spending $3 million, $94,000. You're spending seven times, six times, five times, three times the amount these candidates raised themselves to do what? What is the end game here? The end game is not we're going to we're going to um attempt to win in November. Because the these are highly competitive seats. Right? This isn't let's go ahead and attempt to pick our opponent so that we win. This is attempting to pick the opponent so that the so that they win. Right? You're playing that that you're you're walking the tightrope over the over the Grand Canyon, if you will, in my view, right? Well, Perhaps the best way you could sum that up, though, is it's an insidious speech with insidious intentions, right? I mean, isn't isn't that isn't that what all this is? If if, if of course we're 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 right, yeah. Now, um. In August, too, okay, Democrat Serves did this uh, TV spot where um, it calls Burns the ultra-conservative candidate for Congress, saying that he follows the Trump playbook on immigration, the border, and guns. Now, in Massachusetts, they've done this. We've seen this in Illinois. We've seen this in Maryland, Pennsylvania, Michigan, right? Collectively, the research that has been done by reason is tens of millions of dollars on ads painting Republican candidates as quote unquote ultra conservative or handpicked by Trump. Again, Biden told us two Thursdays ago, quote, Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic, threatens the foundations of our republic. If that is true, why are you and your side spending tens of millions of dollars attempting to get these people to win primaries and fight in a general election in hotly contested areas. Why? They have insidious intentions. I, I think that's the perfect way to sum it up. Now, the hope, obviously, politically, if you're a strategist, is what? Potentially, this is the logical position right that you're making the opponent electable enough to win the primary right you're getting that name recognition out there in in a crowded field to elect the quote unquote most radical of the the opponents and therefore you win in the general election still right however these are hotly contested races right this isn't just the primary is hotly contested. We are talking about some of the most vulnerable seats, vulnerable governors, 
vulnerable Senate um, uh, senators, vulnerable congresswomen or uh, men, right? What the hell? It's insidious. It is gross. It is unethical at its bare minimum. And dare I suggest, this is that next step. Once they have marched through the institutions, right? Where do they go? Because this demonic ideology, the spirit of the age, doesn't stop until it controls everything. They don't control everything right now. The American people have enough gumption to know, and more importantly, we haven't totally been able to dissuade and dismantle the Constitution. That is the only thing that is holding the spirit of the age at bay right now, is this document, that old-ass document that the abortion activists told us about, right? Right. That, That we shouldn't follow anymore. This is that step. They want, don't get me wrong here. They're, this isn't about setting up an opponent to knock it, that opponent down. This isn't that dirty pool, okay? What this is, is the hope that the weak Democratic candidate, the, the, you know, the Maggie Hassans, right, who sometimes vote Democratic, sometimes hold it up. The Joe Manchins, the... Uh, Kirsten Cinemas, right, and 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 all of that, right. This this is about a purge. That's what's coming. This is about the purge. This is about purging, and it's first purge the nonconformists from our party, and then we have propped up these ultra quote unquote MAGA or ultra conservative, however you want to put it individuals we have put them in that position they now control and for the next year and a half what are they going to do they're going to obstruct 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 right and what do they do we have to disband we have to change the constitution we have to disband or change the function of congress going forward i am telling you right now when you look at the the way authoritarians come into power and the way the spirit of the age has worked through authoritarians throughout history. This is the playbook, right? They purge not their enemies first, not their perceived public enemies first. No, they don't. They purge from inside first. So as I look at this, Pat, I can't come up with any other conclusion to why you Tell the American people, these people are not just my political enemies. They are the enemy of America. The enemy of the values of this country. And you prop them up with your money? It is not. It is not about hypocrisy. This is on purpose. For some, they may see this as a political game that they get to play and they're going to walk that tightrope over the Grand Canyon and hope to get to the other side, right? For some, but for the real power brokers, the real people that hold the levers of power, 
at the, at the institutional level. This is about purging those who don't conform internally. If you look at Stalin, right? Yes, the gulags and all the bloody revolution that took place, right? We know all of that. But who is his actual enemy? Trotsky. And the Trotskyites, right? Trotsky was also a what, Pat? Ardent follower of Vladimir Lenin and communism. He was arguably alongside um, Stalin, the top two candidates to replace Vladimir Lenin when Vladimir Lenin had a stroke and died eventually, like six months later. The bloody revolution didn't happen at first to the enemies, right? To the people who were antithetical to communism and who stood up against communism. Oh, no, 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 no. It happened internally first. Trotsky, gone, right? Oops, he had an accident, right? And they began to purge internally, and then once he consolidated that power, did they turn externally? The bloody revolution, look it up. When you look at Germany and Hitler coming to power, yes, he used the apparatus of government to obtain power, but once he obtained that power, what did he do with it? He went after his like enemy, right? He went after the competitor to power internally. And what is the competitor to that internal power today in America? It's not MAGA forever. It's not. Because they don't hold any actual power. None. Zip zero zilch. They don't. It's the people who are holding up the quote-unquote vision for America that the people around the, this president hold. So what happens when that purge takes place is really the key to where we go here. And that purge may not be bloody, by the way. That purge just may be these people are no longer in power. And what happens next? You have to, we, as liberty-minded individuals, have to be three steps ahead. We have to understand that step one is this, but what is that the end game of step two, then step three of these individuals? And how do we buttress against that, Pat? The answer is a constitutional convention. That's the answer. You have to make sure that they cannot rig that system anymore. That you're term limiting everybody. That you are fixing the holes that do exist in a modern society. And it was always meant to be that way. You know, the living, breathing constitution that, um, that jurists on the left talk about, it exists, just not in the way that they think it exists, right? They think it to exist as in the words that are on that piece of paper are living and breathing. No, they're not. They mean what they say, and they say what they mean. And your interpretation of them as living, breathing documents is wrong. 
but it is a living, breathing document in so much as they put the mechanisms in place for us to be able to amend, change, alter those, alter that document for the times in which we live. It is how prohibition happened, right? It was an entire teetotaling totalitarian movement within church, within a broader society. It didn't work. We know that in hindsight. But they were able to alter the, the, the ties that binded us, right? That bound us, if I want to speak English today. So we have the mechanisms in place for that living, breathing document, and we have to use it. If we don't, it will be used as a weapon against us. And I'm not talking about them forming a constitutional convention. I am talking about them violating all of the Constitution of the United States. They're doing it already. The President of the United States is doing some of this already. He's just, oh, by the way, I'm just going to cancel your student loan debt. How? How is that possible? He has no control over the purse strings of the United States of America. Literally zero. The only thing he has control over is whether or not he signs off on a budget. So how do we think two to three steps ahead? The answer is a constitutional convention. And you better Hope to God that that happens in 2023. Because come 2024, if they grab all the levers of power again, that purge that took place of the mansions, that hopefully Joe Manchin for them will go away. The purge of all of the moderation within that party will be done and the extremism of the enemy will be the public face of this, right? We have to elect the people who are lockstep within our philosophical viewpoint in order to buttress against that enemy. When in reality it is, we're now going to put the people in power and in positions of power who will alter and who will stand by and watch the consolidation of power in this country. That is, folks, how you critically think. You have to think ahead. You cannot just live in the moment. What the hell is the purpose of giving that speech and propping people up? The purpose is an internal be uh, purge. There is a purpose. It is not the normal logical thought process that all of us would come to, the normal logical conclusion all of us would come to, right? Well, obviously, if we put up the weak opponent, we can batter the weak opponent. No, that is not what they want. They want that individual to win. They want them to win the general election. They do, because they then get to use that in their game. And they're deadly serious about this game because the spirit of the age is playing for keeps, folks. The only way to win is to stand up for liberty. And the only way to stand up for liberty right now is not electing Republicans. 
right? We have talked about the importance of making sure if they could take both the House and the Senate, right? If that can happen, there's a possibility for us to at least buttress that consolidation of power. There's a possibility of it. But the real change, the real power, the real ability for liberty to stand up is in that constitutional convention using the levers that our founders gave us to guide us through modern modern times, modernity, if you will, to guide us there, saying, hey, we don't know all the answers. We can't possibly know what's going to happen two, three, four hundred years down the road. Well, we're going to give you a, a roadmap to, to curing those things those new fangled things that exist, the new problems, the new things we have to think through in our society. They gave us an answer. They gave us a roadmap. And if we don't take it, if we don't do it, I'm telling you right now, the darkness that you feel today ain't going to be bleep compared to the darkness you're going to feel tomorrow, the next day, the day after that, the weeks, the months, the years. If you are lucky enough. That, that's where I come down with it. But I think it's time to have some fun in the midst of that seriousness because not everything is serious in life. So why don't we start with the beer, not the beer, Pat? Thank goodness. All righty. Hit me with the headline. All righty. <clears throat> Important, guns bought with a credit card in the U.S. will now be trackable. Important, guns bought with a credit card in the U.S. will now be trackable. Is this the B or not the B? That is the question. While you're thinking about that, Andrew Coppins, folks, if you haven't and you need a pick-me-up today, go to AmericanPrideRoasters.com. It's that simple. They have great product over there, great coffee. Um, they've got coffee drops and all sorts of assortment of flavors. Um, what what uh, flavor per, per se do you have in your uh, cup there this morning? There, uh, the, the Frederick Douglass. Oh, you have the Frederick Douglass in your in your in your cup today. Not not the Burr Hamilton. No, no, no. We're out of the Burr Hamilton right now, so we're going through the rest of our stash. And this gotcha, gotcha. Well, anyway, folks, if you haven't, you need that. Pick me up. Go to AmericanPrideRoasters.com. Support a small local business today um, that is great, that can uh, provide you the energy, if you will, that you need to, to get throughout your workday. So go to AmericanPrideRoasters.com. That is AmericanPrideRoasters.com. Important. Guns bought with a credit card in the U.S. will now be trackable. Is this the B or not the B? That is the question. Andrew Coppins, your answer. Oh, this one's easy for me because I've paid attention to this story, and it is 100% not to be, because this is exactly true. Visa has reversed its previous, um, well, not ban, but previous um, stance that they will not create a separate category for gun purchases. Mm -hmm. Um and because they have done that, now MasterCard, American Express, Discover have followed suit. And yep. literally, it is now going to be a separate category that will be trackable, traceable, however, whatever 
word you want to use, but you will be able to, or they will be able to separately categorize your gun purchases and thus know how many guns you own, how many guns you've been purchasing. Thus, the government knows that information beyond what they could or would already know, given the state apparatuses and laws that exist around gun ownership. What in the absolute hell? Well, it's like you've read this story already. So, like I said, I have paid attention to the story. Mm. So, yes, folks, um, I have an idea. Just hear me out on this. Buy your gun in cash. Don't buy it with your debit card or credit card. What about a check? Uh, That's 100% traceable and trackable, so no. Buy it in cash. Buy it in Bitcoin if they'd allow it at at that gun range or gun dealer. Buy it any other way that you possibly can. That's where I'm at when it comes to this. Noted. Just be smart. And, And what is this about, really? Right? This is about changing your and altering your personal behavior to fit their public goal, right? It's about you being made to be bending the knee. Bend the knee, right? Bend the knee to ESG. Bend the knee. And then what it will be about. Oh, sorry, that category we don't support anymore, and you can't use a debit card. You can't use a credit card to make a gun purchase because that's evil, bad, horrible, no good. It will be the end around the Constitution that they're attempting. And that's why, for me, when you look at, um, I think it's Strive Funds and it's uh, the the EFT, right? Or ETF, excuse me. Um, the, the drill, D-R-L-L fund. What are they doing? It's the antithesis. It's it's literally the uh, the opposite of the vanguards, Black Rocks, and their high investment and control of companies, right? So what they're what are they doing? They are taking and pooling money together, and it has a value purpose, right? And what are they going to be doing with that? They are going to use it to influence companies to get away from ESG scores, to get away from um, being forced into board memberships because a lot of companies don't like it, but they can't do anything about it because of the collective money that exists in BlackRock funds and Vanguard funds and others of that ilk. That is how you fight that corporate war alongside the government war that's going on. There are two simultaneous. There's an economic component and a governmental component to this that we have to pay attention to, that you better be paying attention to. So um, I I just hope people understand that there's actually somebody willing to fight. And if you support that, you can do it with your own money. You don't have to use an M1 or your 401k. In fact, I would argue the 401k is one of the worst investment tools for an individual of all time. Your 401k value right now, Pat, is 
not just because of the the $1,200 drop and the economic news that we got yesterday, right? Not just because of that, which I'm sure we're going to talk about in WTF Wednesday, but also simply because you're sitting there and it's a cash thing, right? It is right now. Yes, the value of the dollar is low, right? Because of inflation, right? However, your ability to use the cash that is in front of you is at its highest it has ever been in our lifetimes, Pat. It has never been more valuable to use your cash to invest in things or put it in property or use it. It has never been more valuable, right? Because your $6 today won't be $4 when inflation goes down, right? It'll be $12 when inflation goes down. It is $6 today, right? That might have been $4 for a gallon of gas. The ga- let, let, let's use gas as an example, right? Yes, your dollar doesn't go as far as it used to, right? However, if you take the money, right? That investment that you have in your 401k is useless. It is the weakest it has ever been, not just because of its current situation and and what happened with the stock market, but because it is an illiquid investment. The dollar is weak, right? The dollar has a problem inflation-wise, right? But when that happens and you have illiquid assets, they're at their weakest moment. If you were to suck it back out and put it into something, it becomes a very strong investment. If you were to put it into real estate, if you were to invest it in improvements in your home, if you were to spend the cash, right? You are actually using it at its strongest point because of inflation. When the dollar is strong, that's the right time to pull back and invest in Stash it away somewhere. But your 401k not only is useless now, it is useless for you in the future. What are you making? Four, five, six, eight percent? Maybe if you're really lucky, you're making six percent on that 401k investment. And oh, by the way, how much are they taxing you on the backside of that? 12, 15, 20 percent? You 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 don't make enough money in your 401k return on that investment to cover your taxes on the backside. Even if you use a Roth 401k or a Roth IRA. You don't. Take your money out. I'm telling you right now, take it out and find a asset, a physical asset, whether that's gold, whether that's silver, whether that's housing, uh, property, land, whatever it might be, find it and put it there because it's always going to have value. Always. And what don't won't have value is your 401k when they come to take it. And it's already happening across the globe. India is doing some of this. China is already doing this. The European Union is talking about doing this. Take it and put it in a thing that they cannot take from you without literally fighting you for it, physically fighting you for it. Do it. That's gold, that's silver, that's whatever. That could be Bitcoin. That could be a a ton of things. Take it and invest it. Put it in something that can be liquidized 
but is a physical asset as well. And yes, Bitcoin is somewhat of a physical asset. It's totally digital, but it is physical in terms of how it would be used, right? So folks, I'm telling you right now, take the penalty in your 401k, take it in your IRA. It is worth every penny to have the rest of that dollar available to you to use as an investment tool right now in physical goods, services, whatever. Buy a business, by the way. You can do that. People don't know that. You could buy somebody's business. You could you can invest in a totally different amount of things, but it should be something physical, something tangible, something that has some sort of value that the government, in order to take it away, would physically have to fight you. I'm telling you that right now. Do it. Your $200,000 investment. If you invested $200,000 in a home right now, what could you turn that into? What could you do with that investment tool? Think about these things. Think two, three steps ahead. All right, with that out of the way, it is time for WTF Wednesday. And there's nothing more WTF than the sexualization of our children, Pat. So I'm going to start here on WTF Wednesday. Um, you have not seen this video unless you saw it online yesterday. But um, this is a video of <clears throat> educators talking about the normalization of porn in children. We can promote a shame-free educational space by letting young people know that it's okay if they are curious. It's okay if they have watched porn. And it's okay if they have thought about porn. I always make sure to say someone being curious about sex and or porn does not make them a bad person. It makes them human. It's so important we normalize that this is a natural human experience. And I also want to point, uh, make a point to share that not wanting to watch porn is also completely fine. There's no judgment and shame for not being curious. That's okay, too. And we want to create environments in the classroom where students don't shame each other. So as an educator, my job is to provide information about sexual health and have students critically think by exploring all sides of an issue. Critical thinking skills are the largest component of porn literacy. It's the ability for young people to analyze and ask questions about the media that they're viewing. Critical thinking skills allow young people to understand the intention behind pornography. So much of sex education is reflecting on our values and beliefs in relation to a topic, and porn literacy is no exception. For facilitators... Yes, Mr. Padoni, you have some thoughts. What the... F is that? And, and secondly, what the hell is porn literacy? And thirdly, okay, it's one thing for kids as, as you know, as they're, they're age and they mature to start to become curious about sex. I get that. But being curious about porn? Uh-uh. Well, I mean, in our, in our society today, Pat, porn is normal, right? And it's also dangerous. It is, it is yeah. a very dangerous thing. And I'm not going to sit here and say I've never seen it or, or you know, whatever. It, it, like, that, that's not have. the point here. Okay? That's not the point. The point is that they're attempting to normalize this for your child. Right. So, this is up to me 
as a as a parent. This is a me thing. This is a we thing as parents. This is not anything that you should have any control over. Now, is it important to educate yourself on sex and yes. love and yes. marriage? Yes. Absolutely. And I think it is important to talk about the biological changes, the physiological changes, the emotional changes, the mental changes that happen with puberty and the realization of of that portion uh, of your human experience. Absolutely. 100% agree with that. But to suggest that, oh, we have to talk about this topic and that topic, um, no. There are certain things that should be left to the home, to the parents. Now, what I took umbrage with in there is the use of critical thinking as the cudgel. Did you notice that, Pat? Yeah, did you I, notice, I did notice that, that critical thinking is important in porn literacy? Why would that be, Pat? Why? I, I don't even know what porn literacy is, but... Right, it's just some batshit crazy, you know, phraseology of academia, right? Mm -hmm. A la gender theory or queer theory. What the hell's queer theory? It's Marxism. Literally, if you read it, it's Marxism. Just, just put into a sexualized nature. Now, for me, when I take a look at critical thinking and porn, I, I put this out there. Critical thinking and porn are antithetical to each other. It is antithetical to use critical thinking in the terminology of porn. Why? Because what is porn? Porn is fantasy, right? It is not reality. It is the suspension of reality. It is fantasy. You cannot critically think when the whole point of, okay, so let's, let's leave porn to the side, right? One of the things I cannot stand about some sci-fi fans is how they literally attempt to critically think about um, Star Wars, or they're so serious about Star Wars, or so serious about Star Trek, or you name the, the, the thing, right? Or Lord of the Rings, right? Lord of the Rings is a tale of morality and Catholicism, by the way. That's what it is. It's just that simple. But I mean, trying to critically think through, right? We have to critically think about a fantasy story. It is fantasy. It's fiction. It's not real. The other question I would have there is, how do you critically think about two other people on camera having sex? Mm-hmm. You're not. You're not thinking. Right. It, there's no there's no thinking involved. The whole point of it is to not right. think. Is it is right. to use it as pleasure. an escape and to use it mm -hmm. as what, Pat? A fantasy and pleasure. Bingo. And when you do that, what are you doing? You are not you are thinking. physiologically not thinking. You are physiologically firing off the synapses of pleasure. It's the same thing with outrage, right? Outrage actually produces pleasure receptors in the brain. It's why people can get addicted to outrage and why people get addicted to porn and why people get addicted to all sorts of things because those pleasure receptors are huge. The amount of dopamine that you get in these situations is massive. The only critically thinking portion that we should be exploring when it comes to pornography is having an honest conversation about what it does to you in your brain. 
right. in that it, this is never reality. The only things that you should be teaching children when it comes to pornography is that you must be careful with. You must understand this is a suspension of your reality. These things do not happen in real life. And by and large, these things are not not okay in larger society, right? Because what do you see? You see all of the perversion and all of the things that are illegal, immoral, wrong, physiologically, biologically wrong, happening all the time, right? So when I take a look at that, people, the conversation that should be had in a sex ed, in a educational standpoint, should be what? Uh, making people understand not not porn is porn is always dangerous and bad blah blah smack your hand no 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 you must understand what the effects of it are on your body on your mind and make a decision that's the only critical thinking that needs to go on here that's it presented as this can be a sense of pleasure but it also comes with a set of consequences including addiction, including this, and including that. And by the way, as you are trying to figure out reality from fiction in this society, this is 100% fiction. This never happens in actual real life. And if you're living this fantasy out or that fantasy out or this scene out or that scene out, chances are that this is very unhealthy for you. That's the critical thinking conversation. That's it. But is that also on me as a parent? Yeah, absolutely it is. But if we're going to go down this road, let's let's go down this road of actual critical thinking. The, literally, this is antithetical. How the hell do you use critical thinking? As somebody who literally has a show called Critical Thinking, how do you use that terminology and porn in the same sentence? How? Well, if you're gonna, it, it, it's very simple. If you're going to use it in the same sentence as porn, you're perverting what critical thinking actually is. I see what you did there, but also, yes, you are correct. Uh, now, Pat, I know it's, uh, that um, you have a few things on the uh, WTF Wednesday agenda. I, I, I do. I do. Uh, I think we'll start here. Uh, Nancy Pelosi. Oh, Paul Pelosi's um, uglier, nastier um, half. Yeah, she's back, in, she's back in the news. Why, Pat? Um, what? Why? Why are you doing well, this to me? Well, um, see, do you remember back in the 2016 election when Jeb Bush got up and said, please clap? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh-huh, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Nancy Pelosi and, and remember had this- when uh, President Biden, uh, excuse me, President Marionette Biden uh-huh. um, has read the quiet part out loud from the teleprompter at least a dozen times in the past year? That yes, yes, okay. I, I do. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's kind of what happened here with Nancy Pelosi. Oh no, she had an embarrassing "please clap" moment. Oh, you mean trying- like, like this? Yeah, Mr. President, thank you for unifying and inspiring a vision of a stronger, fairer, safer future for all for our children. Your extraordinary leadership has made this glorious day possible. I that's an applause line. <laughs> oh, that'd be the one. 
And you know she's Catholic, by the way, because she does this. If, you, if you've ever been to a Catholic church, when the, um, when the uh, what do they call um, the song leader, okay? Um, when I, I cannot... <laughs> a chorister? No, it, it, there's a there's a technical term in the Catholic Church for this person. Gotcha. But, um, when the, the the person who's leading the 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 choir and the song, right? Mm. Um, when it's the responsal part, right? So there might be a verse that they sing, and then you sing the chorus or the responsal part. They raise their hand like this, right? So they go huh. like this. So huh. that's the signal for everybody to join in, right? Interesting. So that's how you know, by the way. Um, <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Talk about it, uh, an embarrassing moment. Yeah. Please clap. <laughs> Just, <laughs> like, if you have to tell people to applaud, Let you're doing it wrong. Right, Pat? Yeah. Yeah. By the way, if you have to tell somebody to applaud, uh, you're doing your speech wrong and uh, fire yep. your speech writer. But then again, Nancy Pelosi is insane to begin with, but hey. Yeah, that's also fair. Anything All else right. on the agenda for WTF? Because what in the absolute fire truck? I mean, what's next? We're just going to watch her dentures drop out on stage? Well, uh, I, I think I think we'll end it here with uh, some, some sports talk. Oh, no. Uh, See, you and I are both fans of the Big Ten. Right. Our, our favorite teams are in the Big Ten. We, we generally root for the Big Ten as a conference. Yeah. At least I do. Um, I have a know. very hard time rooting for uh, at least three programs. Uh, I, I only really have one program that, that I can't stand. Mm-hmm. The, the, rest, I, the rest I either like or I'm indifferent to. Okay. So. But, I, but I, I also know that there are at least two programs that you cannot stand, that being Minnesota and Iowa. Mm-hmm. This one is is going to be about one of those two programs in which you hate. You son of a bitch. The University of Iowa. Who lost to my Iowa State Cyclones this weekend. That's right. It is a Cyclone State. Um Yes, I, I can't. Well, are you about to tell me that um, Spencer Petrus is going to continue to be the starting quarterback? Is that what you're going to tell me here, Pat? Well, let's see. After let's looking back at the uh, past two weeks, mm-hmm. Iowa's first game they scored seven points by via a field goal and two safeties, not yes. a touchdown. A field goal and two safeties. And then they score it. Wasn't it a defensive touchdown um, in the uh, Iowa State game? No, it was an offensive touchdown. Uh, was it Was it a run play? I believe so. Let me just double check on that. I, I'm pretty sure it was a run play. If, if it wasn't a defensive, it had to have been a run play because I don't think Spencer Petrus has thrown a touchdown pass yet. Very well could be. Yeah. Uh, and, and so Iowa... After a very, let's see, um, dud of a couple of weeks, and that, that's that's putting it lightly, mm-hmm. are going to continue to start Spencer Petrus at quarterback. 
Now, why is this in WTF, folks? For for those that that you know aren't uh, necessarily in the sports world like us, when you score fourteen points in two weeks and your quarterback is probably one of the worst quarterbacks I've seen in a while. And here's the thing: he's what a third year, and he's only gotten worse. Mm-hmm. And my my further question is: If you're continuing to start this guy, how bad are your backup quarterbacks? So wait, you're telling me that after a year in some change of seeing Spencer Petras as a yep. non-first-year starting quarterback? Yep. They ranked in the 110th or 112th region in total offense and passing offense last year. Yep, and uh, they're, they're going to be just as bad, if not worse, this year with the way that they're going. And um, their offense is awful. And if, if Iowa wants... If Iowa, if you ever, if as a, if you're an Iowa fan, and you want to move your program forward, it might be time to start thinking about revamping your entire program, starting with your athletic director and your head coach as a football program. Because they keep doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different outcome. Mm-hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. Iowa did make the Big Ten championship game last year. Mm-hmm. But that was because I believe Wisconsin lost to Minnesota. Yeah. Not, not Thanks for because, that. Thanks for that not because Iowa should have been in it. Thanks for that memory. Mm-hmm. So, Iowa... What you're doing right now in terms of Big Ten football and as we as, as Big Ten play is coming in the next week or two, it's embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing what you're doing. And I'm here's the thing. I'm indifferent to the Iowa program. Like I, I, I don't I'm not an Iowa fan by any means. I'm indifferent to them. But this is embarrassing. And they have quite the schedule to play. I think they play they play Ohio State, they play Michigan. And I think they play Penn State this year. Uh-huh. They will be lucky to no, no, no. They 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 won't even go six and six at the way they're going. Now, Pat, until the final drive of the game for Iowa this past weekend, what do you think their longest passing play of the game was prior to the final? Uh, drive? About fifteen yards. You would be wrong. Eleven yards. Damn, I was at least close. Their longest drive of the game was 37 yards until the final drive of the game, in which they completed a 14-yard pass on third and 10 to move the ball, and then proceeded to get a ISU um, offside penalty and then a 15-yard unsportsmanlike conduct penalty to move the ball 20 yards. So a total of 43 yards on six plays, right? On the final possession, 
of those 43 yards, are, are you ready for this, Pat? 21 of them were from Iowa. Less than half, folks. This is insane. This is literally the... I love every second of this, by the way, because the, the more you start this guy, the, the easier it is to pick you off later. Uh-huh. And, and In Iowa State, if you watch that game, which I had it on my computer while I was watching the, the debacle that was the Wisconsin matchup um, with Washington State, but as I'm watching these two, right, this game had everything to do... Iowa State should have scored at least 34 points in this game. They shot themselves in the foot at least three times um, in terms of like a, a major penalty or a turnover. Um, you know, they, they had some early season issues. They they easily could have scored in the 30s. This this was a this game while it was what 10-7 at the at the final whistle, right? Um, this this was nowhere near that score. Iowa State had almost full control of that game. Now they missed a 48-yard field goal at the end of the game that would have tied it, and who the hell knows what happens in overtime. I understand all of that. But this was about as controlling of a 10-7 win as you'll ever see. I mean, Iowa State literally could have scored at will had had they not shot themselves in the foot. I I was uh, wrong, by the way. Uh, Iowa does not play Penn State. They do play at home with Michigan, and then they are at Ohio State. And they're at Wisconsin too, aren't they? No, they are at they home host Wisconsin? with Wisconsin. Okay. Yeah, they're at home with Wisconsin. And so that means they're on the road to Minnesota too. Minnesota. Right? Yep. So there's another four losses right there. Well, then you have Nevada this weekend, which I'm pretty sure Nevada's going to win that game with the way Iowa's been playing. Uh, um, Nevada's and, tricky because we don't know a lot about them. Right. Well, and here's that's true. It's, it's, I mean, and what I, I mean by that is, well, first of all, I, they they graduated their best wide receiver. Mm-hmm. They have also had a coaching change, right? Because right. Uh, Jay Norville left to go to Colorado State. In how often do you see that happen, right? Um, in right. internal uh, transfer of power, if you will. So right. we'll see what happens. Here. Um, well, yeah. So I mean, they're they're at Rutgers, at home with Michigan, at Illinois. At Ohio State, at home with Northwestern, at Purdue, uh, at home with Wisconsin, at Minnesota, then home with Nebraska. Ouch. They'll be lucky to win half of those. Yeah, who knows what Nebraska's going to look like come the end of the year here. Yeah. So, obviously with no Scott Frost and all that stuff. Yeah, I just, it bought, I, I, like I said, I love every second of this as a, as a partisan fan, but at, if you're an Iowa fan, this has got to be infuriating because... What do you have to lose by trying something different? What do you have to lose? You've already seen the bottom of the barrel uh, of quarterback play. You cannot get any worse. It literally can't. You can't complete a 15-yard pass in a game. Not one. Not one. Not a single solitary one of them goes beyond 15 yards. I could do that, Pat. I could do that. With a bum shoulder, by the way. I know that I could do that. All I know is they're going to get bitch slapped um, in Columbus. Come, oh, come I mean, they're losing to them. They're losing to They might have five Big Ten losses. Think about it, right? Yeah. Ohio State, yeah. Michigan, Minnesota, Wisconsin, maybe Nebraska, maybe Purdue, maybe Illinois. Hell, maybe Northwestern at this point. <sighs> I'm really shaky on Northwestern. That So... The, the issue with Northwestern, and not to, to go too far down the rabbit hole, but the issue is 
if Northwestern has a good defense, doesn't matter what's happening on offense, they're going to be a contender. They don't have a good defense. They they I mean Duke took them apart on yeah. on uh, on offense. It was Duke's defense that that was an issue in that game. But Duke still won. I mean Duke right. went into Evanston and won. Now you might say, well, yeah, but it's if you've ever been to a game in Evanston at Ryan Field, you know how difficult it is to play there because it feels like you're playing in high school. It's a weird environment. It's a weird stadium. Everything is weird. Wisconsin knows that because every fucking time they go there, it's some sort of a weird dogfight. Or they bitch slap them when they shouldn't be able to. It is such a weird environment. Now, all of that, uh, do, is that the end of the WTF stories for this week, Pat? That's the end for today. Oh, whew. but yeah, seriously, what, what what the hell are you doing, Kirk Ferentz and Brian Ferentz? What, what are you doing to that program? And with that said, Pat, your final thoughts. Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. And insidious speeches inspire insidious. Idiots? Idiots, yeah. All the eyes, huh? Yeah. Uh, do the eyes have it, Pat? I think so. And with that, please be smart, be safe, be kind. As always, Matthew 547. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.